Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 218 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech deals and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, let us talk about something that I love talking about that you probably hate talking about, something that makes you squirm. And that, my friends, and I'm going to put a trigger warning here, is the Internet's history with shock, with gore, with disgusting images and videos that kind of um, live on in infamy and perpetually. It sort of takes me back to the early days of the Internet because this was the stuff that that people spoke about in hushed tones. And um, the article you uh, asked me to read, as I was reading it, I kept thinking about Faces of Death. And then, lo and behold, it pops up towards the the end of the article. Yeah, so... Faces of Death was talked about like that in in the schoolyard, like in elementary school, we talked about. It. I never watched it. Like my parents would not really care about what I watched. Like I mean, I watched RoboCop when I was in grade six, but Faces of Death was like a step too far. So I, my friends who had older siblings that would just torture them by letting them watch stuff like that and give them nightmares would talk about it. And I didn't watch any Faces of Death until I was like in my late teens. Do you remember anything from it? I remember there was one scene where they were on like a poultry assembly line and they were just Uh, slaughtering chickens, which was pretty gross. Yes. So, uh, yes, I linked you to a a Vice article all about this. And it kind of I thought about my own history with a lot of this stuff, because similar to you, when I was growing up, you know, these these compilations like Faces and Death and stuff, they're kind of like the the unholy grail, right, of of media, of of disgusting kind of um, imagery. So Faces of Death, actually, the first one has a very interesting kind of lineage unto itself that we won't get into too much. But it's a mixture of like real and fake, like obviously fake doctored footage and then like unreleased news footage of like someone, you know. Um, jumping off a building or, you know, instructional videos, like you're saying, like the the chicken farm kind of stuff. So it's a mixture, a hodgepodge of, of shock imagery slapped together by like literal tape. I remember seeing a commercial on TV. I don't know the context. I don't know what it was for, but they were showing images of accidents and... Oh, is it like, a, maybe it was like a ban from TV or like... Yes, it was banned from TV. It, yeah. was, it, it ended with somebody about to get hit by a train or something like that. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that. Uh, yeah, I remember those, and you had to order those. I did not seek that out. There was a lot of like made-to-order stuff from like Time Life, Warner, and all that stuff, where we keep talking about those old books of the paranormal that you could order, yes, which right? I see everywhere. Yeah, we and we've I, we've played the commercial on this show before, so yes, we have. So, okay, when you were younger, like, did you actively seek out this kind of content? No, I didn't, and okay. I had friends that would talk about it in school. And I would, it would kind of turn me off. I was like a good little boy, so I was careful not to <laughs> look at stuff like that. But I meant once you hit the internet. So once I hit the internet, I didn't really gravitate towards this. I had friends that would send me links to websites, which I can't remember the one my friend told me to go to, but it wasn't any of the ones mentioned in the articles. And if it was, it didn't ring a bell. Honestly, the first things I gravitated towards on, on the internet was... Uh, well, first of all, Alanis Morissette fan groups. That was the best. I would follow the, the web, web, web rings. rings right? and, yeah, and, but the other thing was paranormal stuff. Area 51, right. uh, stuff about the X-Files, trying to fi- figure out if the X-Files was real. <laughs> Things like that. But this stuff kind of turned me off because, I don't know, maybe I'm a little too empathetic. I didn't want to watch people dying. What about stuff like Goatsy, though? And, like, uh, you know, uh, please do not Google Goatsy if you do not know what it is. We'll describe it in very broad terms. It is a gentleman showing his rear in a very explicit manner, I think is the best way of describing it. I didn't realize he was a champion of doing that as well. He was, like, a practiced yeah. stretcher, <laughs> yeah. according to this uh, to this article. Yeah. 
Uh, which is another interesting thing that I did not know either. I didn't know either. My one and only real interactions with Goatsy is when it was sent as like a file attachment in an email back in the days when you just open whatever your friends would send you and it would open like a flash thing. I don't even know how that worked. It would just open something and play it and flash it against on SWF the screen. SWF file, yeah. Like a, yeah. Like a, yeah. I mean, now I know better. Uh, I mean, and that was in the... Did I have... What, so what year was Goatsy, Brian? I can't remember now. Uh, it was the late 90s. So That's I did I have a Windows. It yeah. started appearing on FTPs, which is another thing like that I thought about a lot. But uh, So I want to say like it started showing up in 97, 98. And then uh, Goatsy.cx, uh, uh, I think, is like the most infamous URL in my brain um, for this kind of stuff. And that started uh, 99, 2000, I want to say. Because uh, I remember being in high school and pranking someone with it. Yeah, so the late 90s was in my heyday of Windows. And it's... I feel like I was a Windows user for a much longer time than I actually was, but I really only used Windows from 1997 to 2003 in terms of personal use. I was going to say, because then at work, you up until like the pandemic, pretty much. Yes. So, uh, Goatsy to Rod.com to Tubgirl to Lemon Party to Ogrish to EFUKT.com, like a lineage of websites kind of existing solely to cater to um, the the darker temptations of people. Like, did you ever sit through Two Girls, One Cup? I saw brief clips of it, more that I watched people react to it. My favorite reaction is Bill Burr's. Yes, I mean, like, it, that was such a weird time in popular culture where, like, people were just watching this kind of very specific f- fetish content and developing reactions to it. But it's also because YouTube made it easy to do that, right? Yeah, because it came out in the time when YouTube was basically started. Had Google even purchased them yet? This is 2006, 2007? No, but they allowed people to do reaction videos, right? They allowed people to react directly to videos. Like, below that. Do you remember that? You'd watch a video and then there was like a couple below. Yes, okay, I remember that. Which is why there there were so many reaction videos back in the day is because of that. The UI made it easy. Obviously, Two Girls, One Cup was not on YouTube. No, the people reacting to it were. Even worse, though, is One Guy, One Jar. Um, which I used to put on uh, television screens at parties and hope that nobody caught on. That was not mentioned in this article. I was waiting for it to be mentioned because that was something that was sent it, to me. It was, actually. Was it mentioned? I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. It I was mentioned have... as uh, 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 one of the earliest e-fucked um, okay. uh, videos I, or viral I mu- moments. I must have struck it from my mind as I read it because I do remember getting that from, of all things, we sh- it was shared in my Call of Duty clan forum pa- page. What was your what was your username? My username for it's my my the same name I still use now for my PSN account. It's Angel underscore of underscore Yorin, which is basically oh, my I name see. without okay. the yeah. So people are like right. ooh Angel ooh cool. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's this whole I remember like um uh, tricking people right. You'd send them a link that's one thing, but it's actually another. It was a mirror of a website that was disgusting. Or uh, back when I used to uh argue on forums a lot more you used to be able to do like show more snippets right and then in there you'd put disgusting image to prank someone that you were mad at that's something i used to see a lot in forums so you're one of those people aren't you brian yes which is now now it's much harder to do unless you're actively looking for it right because oh yeah um you can't really post a lot of that stuff on facebook anymore nor twitter nor instagram really and or tiktok the internet's so different uh, yeah, it's it's very different. Speaking of different in TikTok, let's talk about Spotify. So I'm very angry at Spotify because they are planning to shift their UI to include more 
visual elements, kind of like TikTok, right? Because TikTok is obviously stealing the thunder as the music app of choice for discovering new music, right? Um, so Spotify is uh, switching up its homepage to be more dynamic, to have more video content, et cetera, et cetera. I find it dumb, Angela, because Spotify is a in-your-pocket app, not a stare-at-your-screen app, right? When I was looking at this, it really surprised me because that was my thought exactly. It's it's as if my my podcast app would start doing something like that. And Spotify is sort of a podcast app. Well, not sort of. It is a podcast app for many people. We have a lot of listeners on Spotify. I don't get it. It's not the... Look, also, though, this is coming from somebody who started buying albums. And I still sort of listen just to albums, although I do like playlists every once in a while. I can't imagine... Apple doing something like this for Apple Music, it would kind of ruin it. And is there going to be an option for people to not have to deal with this and they could just use Spotify the good old-fashioned way? I guess in the non-home app, because there's like a home app, there's a search function, which also gives you all of your different genres, and then your library of like saved um, musicians, albums, songs, playlists, etc. So I feel like I will avoid the the home app. And I think that like, you know, um, Spotify... You, and we've discussed this briefly too before. It's just like now it's all about the economy of attention, right? It's all about top, being top of mind. So Spotify is trying to take away from other social networks in being top of mind, in stealing that attention inside of their ecosystem. So I'm curious to see how they're going to develop this because a lot of the times now in order to get Spotify, um, your music onto Spotify, there's a third party, right? Um, that is a music distributor that you pay to to do that with, right? Whether it be DistroKid, CD Baby, uh, my former employer, Lander, um, you know, so there's that in too. And then same thing with, with podcasts, right? You have to host it somewhere else and then sync it up and then submit it to Spotify directly, right? So I'm kind of curious what kind of barriers they're going to give um, artist portals now to put more up. Because for a while, the artist portal was very limited. You, like you could sync up lyrics and do a couple of things. I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to expand um, as well as whether or not they're going to finally cut the middleman out in order to let you upload music directly to that platform. So you're hoping or wondering if they're going to let... Well, yeah, I'm not hoping. I'm definitely not hoping that that is the case. I am definitely wondering because the, the beauty of a lot of these uh, distribution partners is that you kind of select the... Not, not you kind of. You actually literally select the different platforms you want to be on. You check them off in a checklist. So do you, you don't feel it would be advantageous to the artist to just be able to upload themselves directly to Spotify? Not necessarily because of the fact it's one more place in which you have to maintain your music. Okay. Versus a lot of these are like um, single payout. They give you your sums of money like as an aggregate. Okay. Like, it's sort of like what we have with Fireside where we pay a monthly fee. Our podcast gets hosted there. Uh, and uh, the monthly fee is really competitive too. It's not, it's not a bad fee at all. But And we just kind of – they put it wherever podcasts should be going. Correct? Yeah. We've had to submit to a couple. Like, I think we did iHeartRadio a while back. Um, and, and Spotify, Spotify obviously. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, also, something that makes me laugh, too, is that Spotify is now offering the the concept of exposure, but they're willing to pay less to you. So this is according to a Billboard article that came out, like, a week or two ago. So there's a discover mode. And so what they're saying is that, like, they'll allow you to be more discoverable, but they're going to charge – they're going to pay out less per stream. And Spotify is already the worst – of all the music services. Yeah, pretty much, payouts. essentially, yeah. Um, so it's crazy to me. I don't know. Like, I think that, like, the experience they want to create isn't the reason people come to the app. And so there's a misalignment between user uh, interface and user experience as well as, like, lived experience. So I'm wondering what kind of market research they did or if this is just unilaterally, like, a push to own more of the mindshare of the public. 
And meanwhile, in, in Apple Music World, they're trying to make things even easier for you to search if you're into classical music. Yeah, so Apple Music is going to be launching its own classical app. This has been in the making for a very long time. They purchased a company that did this in 2021. I said that weird because I was about to say 2001. But in 2021, they purchased a company that is allowing them to use this technology to easily, well, hopefully, search for classical music. As somebody that does listen to classical music, it is a mess to look for something on Apple Music. I'm kind of curious. So talk to, talk to me about the particularities of classical music. And we'll link uh, in the show notes to a Twitter thread. By um, Jesse Char, yeah. Jesse Char, yeah. So she, so she really explains it well. And I'll, I'll, I'll have you read that uh, at your leisure. The link will be in the show notes. But essentially, because classical music, the artists, many of them have been long dead, you're not really searching by artist and by song title. Because a lot of times, or all the time, these titles are being performed by various symphony orchestras from around the world or other artists. So there may be a, a cello piece that you want to listen to that Yo-Yo Ma did, but there might be the exact same one by somebody else. And it's difficult to come across them because it's not just artist, song, we're done. Like Jesse Char says, they're, they're not really considered songs, right? Because songs are sung uh, with voice and words, and these are pieces or compositions. And it's not, and as somebody that also likes music, uh, uh, movie soundtracks, that's a little easier and more close to how pop music works and rock music. Well, I also feel the lineage is a lot lesser time wise, right? Like we're not, we're not, you You look for Hans uh, Zimmer, you're going to find Hans Zimmer because he's still working. Well, I was going to say, yeah, there's no, there's no, this isn't like a a seventh generation, eighth generation Hans Zimmer, like hand me down composition here. Yeah. So, because if you want to listen to Beethoven's Ninth, you're going to find it a thousand times in a thousand different ways from a a thousand different orchestras. I'm kind of curious to see how their definition of classical really breaks down. Like, what do they include? What don't they include? I'm kind of curious to see once the app launches, all of the particulars involved in that. Because there's also contemporary classical, which I like. Like, uh, I can't pronounce his name, but Oliver Arnards. Uh, I've said that wrong, but he's great. And he's considered, like, contemporary classical yeah, you know, like take someone like John Cage, right? John Cage is the modern musician whose music sometimes veers into classical territories, and he considers his music he considered because he's passed his music to be to be um, compositional. Philip Glass as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, what does that look like? That's, right? Yeah, like, that's contemporary classical, right? Uh, modernist, all that stuff is is. I mean, John Cage, you can find uh, what is it? Three minutes and forty three seconds of of silence. It's four thirty three. Yeah, four thirty three. Yeah, I was close. But his early stuff, like he he has like a clarinet sonata, right? For example, like that just for some reason is in my brain. But when he was early on in his musical journey, like he did a lot of this stuff, a lot of prepared piano stuff. Like yeah. I'm very interested to see like what the age cases are for um, uh, this class this classical music app, right? It's not going to be available on the Mac. It's just going to be iOS for now. That means there's classical music's not going anywhere for, in terms of, let's say you don't decide to download this app because you don't want it, you'll still be able to listen to classical music in the old difficult way to search for things. <laughs> I'm curious to see how that is reconciled. I guess the the, the play numbers in there will, will somehow you know uh, be bridged or something. Yeah. I'm kind of curious. I think I like this more than Spotify's idea of turning Spotify into TikTok. Everything has to You're, be TikTokified. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Your one-stop shop, and obviously paying for exposure, right? How do you know that you're, you know, you're, 
So I don't know if it's the same in Apple Music, but like when you open up a song, there's like a video snippet that can play for certain artists, and it is utterly useless, my friends. So I'm not quite sure what's going to happen there. Double density. Uh, last thing I want to talk about, Angelo, because we're all about the platforms this week, is I want to talk about how Meta may or may not be um, planning to create a Twitter-like app that will connect to Mastodon, which I found kind of fascinating. I mean, it's a hard pass for me on a Meta version of Twitter. How so? I don't, I don't want Meta knowing anything about me. Let's just hope they don't purchase Mastodon, if that's even possible, because of the way it's <laughs> I federated. Highly doubt they I don't will, think that's but, possible. Um, but. So yeah, it's a, it's a codename, uh, project codenamed P92 right now, and obviously this is um, not substantiated by much apart from like some whispering, but I find it kind of interesting is that uh, they're um, planning a Twitter competitor that would allow you to log in via your Instagram credentials. Um, obviously, I don't know when you stop using Instagram, but if you go to your messages tab, there's a way to create notes. Do you remember that? Did you use that at all? Do you know what I'm never, talking about? I no, don't okay. know. I never, I never really used it for messages. And Wait, so it never really caught on apart from when it launched where everyone was really making fun of it for a week saying, is anyone going to use this? Then no one didn't, right? So the note function there is broken. I'm kind of curious to see how they will level up the um, text-based imagery, perhaps imagery-based. I'm not quite sure. Um, how that's going to work, but primarily text-based platform um, if Notes is already not working quite well. Don't you feel Meta's always playing catch-up like they did with Instagram Stories uh, versus TikTok? And now they're no, trying versus to... Versus Snapchat, you mean? Stories with Snapchat and not TikTok? No, with Snapchat, yeah. Okay, but then they're more like TikTok, I find, than Snapchat. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is that like Reels, for example, right now, right? Which are... Oh, story. Okay, sorry. That is my mistake. I meant to say yeah. Reels, not Stories. Stories, yes. Yeah. Stories with Snapchat. Reels yeah. is TikTok. Yes. It, yeah, analogous-wise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, like it, they're trying to contain people inside of their ecosystem. Like all of these platforms are just trying to do that, right? They're just trying to capture your mind share. You only have 24 hours of, in a day. Where do you want to spend that time? I know, for example, like we're recording on Sunday, March 12th, and we talked about how we're going to spend it tonight watching uh, The Last of Us season finale. Um, so that's an hour of my time, an hour plus my time there spent doing that. So 23 hours, what are you going to do platforms? What will you do for me, right? This is why I miss the early days of the internet that we talked about before. Set it and forget it. Turn off your computer, walk away. Yeah. Well, I, I liked that innocence of the whole web ring thing and just people making their own websites on GeoCities and things like that. I miss that stuff. Sorry. I just watched, I just watched someone walk by with a flashlight. I don't know what they're doing on the street. So you're distracted. Is it them? Are they coming to get you? Well, I mean, finally it's time. Like my time right now. Let's be honest. Sorry, you were saying, well, you should uh, go up to the window with your iPad and just play a loop of uh, one guy, one jar. Yeah, I should just definitely put that up there as an art installation, right? That would be great oh, for the boy. children in your neighborhood. I feel like uh, maybe we should uh, uh, put a pause to the platform wars and head on over to the paranormal side of things. And uh, I'm kind of curious if anyone has had any history with these like shock websites, um, you know, double density podcast at gmail.com, double underscore density over. <laughs> there's a, um, there's a form they can and then. Out. The form on DoubleDensity.net, which we'll be getting to in a second because we have another submission this week. Um, but that is for the paranormal side of things. So let's head on over. See you there. Double Density. Welcome back to Double Dancing. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So first thing on the docket this week is we got some listener feedback from Nick. Nick last week asking about counterfeit chips and cars. So he says, hi, Brian and Angelo. After listening to episode 217 and your thoughtful answer about the counterfeit chip problem, we decided to ask ourselves, what would Angelo do? 
I'm happy to report we have settled on finding a nice pre-owned Subaru Outback. Nice. <laughs> uh, Nick goes on to say, my question today is on the subject of ghost hunting. Do you think it is helpful to use a defined process such as the Estes method or is methodology irrelevant once one discards the rigors of science to investigate something so ephemeral and pseudoscientific as ghosts? Might one just as well randomly wander around a house or a graveyard with a flashlight, loudly demanding the spirits show themselves? Thanks, Nick from Colorado. So the Estes method um, has to do with spirit boxes, and uh, it came its claim to fame and its name because of the Est, uh, of the um, Stanley Hotel in Estes, Colorado. So that's where it comes from. So the idea here that like you have a spirit box that like scans different radio waves in order to pick up chatter, right? And I find it kind of fascinating. Like, I kind of wanted to pick your brain about this, Angela, someone who. Um, loves the scientific method would make out with it all day if he could um but it's not so i'm kind of curious like how do you feel about things like spirit boxes and the sts method and scanning the airwaves for 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 um ghostly entities well you mentioned the guy with a flashlight and there was somebody with a flashlight outside your window just now so maybe they're looking for ghosts (laughs) perhaps just walking around praying that they're going to come on uh come upon something from another plane right and so i found this question really interesting because there's a couple of different ways we could take it right firstly like i think something like a spirit box is interesting in that it is scanning their radio waves to sort of um make sense and i do feel like there is a bit of pareidolia involved in terms of thinking you hear stuff a bit when you're scanning a bit yeah. i'm being diplomatic here okay also i think something that sets us apart from perhaps a lot of other paranormal podcasters is we don't watch a ton of the reality shows involving um the paranormal these days there's a lot out there i'm very uh picky about what i watched um so i know that like these kinds of methods um tend to get used in a in a variety of places to different measures of success right and and uh, how you define success is is very relative about the quality of the voice coming through the messaging the interpretation you need to do right um it's like a really weird game of like broken telephone a lot of the time isn't there a specific model of digital recorder you're supposed to buy because it's sort of broken and makes you hear voices we talked about that a while back yes uh, yeah yeah it's a toshiba i think also, Nick, you got an you got an outback. An outback makes for perfect ecto one. <laughs> uh, is this something you've pissed your wife? She did not want the sirens on the car. How do you feel about a you know if I sent you out into the field and said there's the possibility of capturing something um, that isn't easily identifiable? Like, how do you feel about the Estes method? Do you feel like there's some validity to? the uh, scanning the airwaves to find something i feel there's as much validity to that as there is to dousing for water really yeah i don't think you're gonna if the you'll catch something in the airwaves it'll be nothing paranormal though it'll sound paranormal because there might be interference but it's not going to be it's it's going to come down to what you said pareidolia you're gonna we're always ready to make patterns and shapes and voices and sounds with our minds i think that's what's going to happen if you're going to go around with that type of equipment. It's funny you say that because that's one of the things I was thinking about when I read Nick's email is the idea of we live in an extremely noisy world yeah. now, right? Um, and whether it be like words or the the beeping of whatever kinds of machines out there on different frequencies, right? There's different radio wave signals that like do stuff. It sounds like tapping sometimes, you know, what if it's Morse code? I think that 
the STS method and using spirit boxes and using um, you know digital radios is a way to, is a measuring stick. It's not necessarily the measuring stick, right? Because then you have to take a step back and ask yourselves like what what is a ghost really? And I, you and I have joked about that in the past, like what is a computer? Yeah. What is a ghost really? Right? Is it someone on a different wavelength? Is it someone in, from a different dimension? Is it someone deceased? Is it a wholly new entity? Right? And you know, depending on which way you land on that, there are different ways of of capturing information about those things too. Well, remember, my amp was picking up a weird sound. We we tried to tried to get it on the on the podcast. We didn't really hear it that well. Um, I will say, the last few weeks, I've not heard that noise. No, so at least there's that, right? Maybe the spirit has left you. I find it kind of yeah. I I yeah. I mean, the thing is, once you're also uh, the Peladolia teamed up with the idea of wanting to find something, right? The desire to find something—that's the problem. Is the problem. If we were going into this wholly skeptical and saying we're not going to find anything and then being pleasantly surprised, that is another thing. That's a problem too, though, because if you're overly skeptical, you might throw out things that you would, that could be something. If ever there is something that gets picked up in these things, I don't think it would be the spirit of the dead. It would be more likely, scientifically anyway, that it's another universe bleeding into ours. And I may be saying this because I just watched Into the Spider-Verse with my kids. <laughs> it could be something like that. I recently read a novel named Episode 13 by Craig DeLouis, all about a team of like reality TV people who um, fall prey to a haunted house and there's secrets and things like that in these spirit boxes, obviously. And I was kind of thinking about this um, and that like spirit boxes offer a way for people who are very interested in the paranormal to get content. And, like, I don't want to say that, like, everyone in ufology and everyone in the paranormal is a grifter, right? I don't want to say no, that. No, they're not. But at the same time, people tie your brand, your personality to results. Yeah, and to, that's where, right? yeah, and then that's where we go into those reality shows we don't like watching. Ghost Hunters and all that stuff. But one popped up on Netflix for me the other day, and I did not watch it. Yeah, there are very few that I'll watch. Like, Hellier, whenever a new Hellier comes out, I'll watch that. Those are finally. great. Like, those are great, and they're actually like well researched and longer tail kind of things. They're not as reliant on per episode metrics, for example, in order to know what's going on. Like those are actually like super well done. And yeah, so I know and that I may not agree with boxes. them on certain things, but at least they don't come off as a farcical almost, yeah. and yeah. and just wanting to to find something for the sake of finding something and making a big deal out of it, even though there's no big deal. I agree. There's a ton out there that kind of feels very showy almost right and i think there's an inauthenticity there that bothers me of people wanting to be personalities in the space and using things like spirit boxes or you know um oh did you hear that over and over or did you see that over and over um in order to justify their existence as as brands as personalities too so i think it's an interesting kind of mix of different angles coming together to form like an imperfect way in which to view this because i don't know like you know if we all volunteered our time to do this kind of thing and never expected anything. That's one thing, but unfortunately like that's not how life works either. Yeah. So another way of communicating with, with the dead is through a Ouija board. And what happens when you mix a Ouija board and 28 schoolgirls? <laughs> uh, you get nearly 30 fainting schoolgirls, right, Angela? So I sent you a link from the Mirror, a UK tabloid, all about how a uh, 28 girls in Colombia at the Galeras Educational Institution in Pasto in the south part of the country, fainted recently after playing around with the Ouija board. Brian, all I could think of when I read this was how it's usually caused by mass hysteria when you see that. And then I had to go to YouTube and search the Benny Hinn when the bodies hit the floor video. 
it is awesome. It is in in our links. Go check it out. But yeah, so uh, Hugo Torres, who's head of the school, says there were 28 possible cases of anxiety in school students, which I think kind of explains everything, right? I think, honestly, this may have been a case of mass hysteria, and I don't use that term lightly, but it feels like a little too convenient that is it a portal to hell that opened up, or is it just people um, hyping each other up to the point of being scared, right? Um, and like human reaction, when you are together in a group and everyone starts getting scared, your body intuitively will want to join in on the overriding feeling that everyone else has. What's funny is it sort of coincides with me watching The Unholy yesterday. It just showed up on Netflix, the remake with uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yes. Uh, Negan? Is that his name? In the thing? Yeah, in uh, Walking Dead. Yeah. So it made me think of that, except in that movie, it's all real and there is a demon. But still, in this case, it's not real. It's mass hysteria and likely that's what happened. Or they opened the portal to hell and there's a portal to hell open in Colombia. So if you head down to the middle of the article, there's a very frustrated Hugo Torres holding a piece of paper, which I think is the funniest thing because he is he's tired of your crap, Angelo. He's <sighs> done with this. Of having to answer to almost like 30 different sets of parents being like, what, did our, what happened to our daughters? Tell us what happened to our daughters. They were playing a game and they, uh, they fainted. They could have been doing other stuff. Yeah. Might as well be playing with the Ouija board. So the teenagers were suffering from violent vomiting, abdominal pain, and muscle spasms, which is in line with... Um, a mass hysteric encounter, I think, and right? or, or bad fish at the cafeteria. Yes, so there's uh, uh, there's that too, which made me laugh because one of the parents said, "You know, our children have always had a good breakfast, and kind of be said was happening is due to a lack of food," which I thought was funny. Yeah, it or it could be because of food that was tainted with something. So, so you're saying food poisoning? It's possible it was food poisoning as well. Look, I'm putting on my best Philip class hat here. How dare you, sir? This is disgusting. So you're just proving what we're, we're up to the next little while. We're going to be doing an episode for our strange guys on Philip Klaas. Uh, Angelo's BFF, his best friend, he actually has commissioned multiple pieces of art where him and Phil are just hanging out uh, in the clouds together. They're uh, playing Monopoly together. There's even an image of them riding in a top-down convertible together. And I think it's it's fascinating to me that you... Pointing at a UFO, to... but it's actually Venus. <laughs> When's the last time you played with the Ouija board? I don't have a Ouija board, and I have not played with one. I don't remember the lot. I think it was like in high school, there was a, like the power went out at a high school, so we couldn't do any work or anything uh, because the internet was down. No, it did not exist back then. Um, but we, we somebody made a makeshift Ouija board, and we uh, used it. And I asked, uh, they, uh, they told me to ask something that they could, that they could not possibly know the spirit or that my friends could not possibly know, so I asked them what my dead grandfather's name was, and uh, the Ouija board guessed uh, Mario. <laughs> you, do you know what my do you know what my grandfather's name was? No, Luigi. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if John Edwards were here, he'd say that's close enough for that's me. That's a connection. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's fascinating. Yeah. No, my wife refuses to let me have one. Really. Huh. She's just like, just in case. Like, yeah, listen, like, I don't. You know what? You know, I don't, better, better leave it at B. I'm I, skeptical, I bought one, but I'm not. I bought crazy. one at a flea market like six or seven years ago. Oh, those I, have I, been like, worse, Brian. I know. I know. And I bought it for, like, it was one of the more vintage ones from the 60s, like when Milton Bradley was first started making them. Yeah. And, Did you buy it with uh, a bunk was, bed? No. <laughs> no. These were two separate um, instances of me buying things. So okay. thankfully, on the one hand, um, a fictional bunk bed that I do not have. And on the other hand, Ouija board that is at my parents' place in storage. Yeah. So who knows? Mario or Luigi? 
could be either. What if so? What if your children were like, "Dad, we like to play with a Ouija board." What would you do or say? I'd ask why. What if they're like, "We're curious," like it's just just a little bit of curiosity. I'd say sure. Let's let's go for it. We'll go to the we'll go to the dollar store and buy one <laughs> with a little planchette, right? That you move yeah. around. Yeah, and then my house would be haunted, and then I would no longer be skeptical. I'm praying for that day, my friend. Our show would get so much listenership. We should fake it. I think there's enough out there being faked in the realm of the paranormal. Coming back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the segment, right? So I'm I'm okay with that. Angelo, let us talk about things that aren't faked. Let's talk about Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett telling Newsweek that he believes that the U.S. government recovered alien craft. And he believes that they're being reverse engineered somewhere. And he thinks there's possible beings that are, that are in possession of the, well, no, that the, the U.S. government is in possession of. That was the thing that really gave me a kicker, because up until then, he could have been saying, you know, we're talking about reverse engineering other countries' technology and stuff. But then he talked about beings. So I'm assuming yeah. they don't have, they haven't captured like some, some Chinese spy and he refers to him as a being. I would hope that the, he has the decency to call them human beings, right? And yes. once again, this article is kind of like a mishmash of the best stuff, right? Because they talk about the 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 um, downed, um, what, pretty much like hobbyist weather balloons. Yeah, that, they like, even say uh, it. Gotcha. Yeah. So there's one Chinese one and then a couple of hobbyist balloons. Um, yeah. As an overcorrection, I do believe, of like looking weak, um, they decided to just shoot the hell out of a yeah, couple of weather anything. balloons. Some poor kid with his drone. They spent a half a million dollars per missile doing this, right? Because this is just a show of strength, right? This is all the theater of war. Yeah, then there's also Louisiana representative uh, John Kennedy, who tells people to lock their doors at night because of this. So he really thinks the invasion is coming? I guess so. Like, who? Yeah. It's imminent. He's been getting phone calls and faxes. Um, That's another fascinating kind of thing is like, how does... What is the basis of this, right? He gets briefed on something, and that's all he has to say? That's super weird to me is that, you know, if you were aware of state secrets that could change the entire world, wouldn't you pledge to do a little more than that? I just feel like right now there's so many UFOs and so much confusion. So you're just saying it's like a very confusing, like, um, you know, like when you get multi-ball and pinball, you're just saying it's kind of one of those situations? <laughs> there's just, they're just all over the place. And I feel like this is now the soft disclosure that everybody was hoping for. Because look, we're having government representatives coming out and talking about this. So I think that like it's very interesting that this is what they're up to um, with their time. I don't know what to think anymore about this because it's kind of really snowballing. Well, it's one, it's snowballing, but it's two, it's like, it, we've talked about this, right? So there's the, 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 the UAP side of things, the UFO side of things, right? So the UAP is the more structured, hierarchical um, way in which the world is going. And then mm-hmm. there's the UFO folkloric kind of way things are going. And that kind of is like humming along as always. But yeah, I, do I feel, feel like this the, article fell on that side of the spectrum. The UAP side? No, UFO. Oh, really? The locked yeah, doors, the yeah, that's the balloons. I, yeah, yeah it, felt, it felt a bit like that, especially with the whole possible beings thing. I just find it fascinating that all these people want to come out and say all these things. Like, what is it? Are you trying to grab headline attention? Like, what do you really do know, right? Is this like, this is like the dumbest way the disclosure goes. It's some guy from Tennessee being like, guess what? We're reverse engineering some tech. We have some being somewhere. They're probably playing cards. We taught them how to play different variations of poker. It's time to just hang out together. Do you think somewhere Stephen Bassett is like losing his mind about this because it's happening? It's finally happening? <laughs> Bassett or Greer? 
Isn't it Bassett who was uh, hoping for disclosure? Well, or I mean, everyone, it? him and Greer were both hoping for disclosure. They were there, they were there at the... Yeah, so I, I get those, those two confused. I know one is a little better than the other. Bassett's the better one, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I usually kind of like go with him when I want to mention one of the Stevens. I mean, like, he's the more well-known lobbyist, right? For yeah, disclosure? so that's, okay, that's what I meant, because wasn't it, is, wasn't it him who did the whole uh, journal club thing in 2005? The press club thing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he was he was there, and then also, uh, but I mean, like, Greer was also there, too, right? So, oh, that's true. Oh, it's just all muddled. Greer's the one who held the press conference, so. I think if this was Greer talking, he'd say he'd ha- he had met the possible being and talked yeah, to him. Yeah, they had winked at him yeah, in the they sky. Had, and gave him a flashlight. Yeah, exactly. And, and then he went outside your house. To run down my street, yeah. Yeah, so. just, there we go. It all comes full <sighs> circle, Brian. It's, it is what it is, Angelo. I feel like this is a good place to end episode 218 of the Double Density Podcast. A very judgy episode, I feel like. A lot of opinions were shared this episode, both on the tech side as well as the paranormal side. Good opinions, I hope. I would concur, I think, cautiously, Yeah. Um, that I feel like you and I have rather good opinions about a lot of these things. Angelo, where can people find us? There's a form you can fill out at doubledensity.net. Thanks, Nick. This week, we enjoy getting these user submissions, and please keep them coming. I'd say if people want to get their stuff in Sunday before um, 7 p.m. ET slash EST, um, ET. you have a better bet of, of being the man. No, but I'm just saying going forward Yes, for the next time change, which is just stupid. I just said ET because about. it's the extraterrestrial. Oh, you just love the, the concept of an extraterrestrial. We had right? daylight savings time come into effect today. I think it's abuse. Yeah, that's just so, me. So we're like technically recording this like at like six thirty. We started this. <laughs> yeah, my my bones are brittle and uh, getting older. Uh, it's okay. It'll give me time to stay up to watch the Last of Us. I think it'll probably be a longer episode tonight. Yeah, probably an hour fifteen. All right, super quickly. Twitter double underscore density double density podcast gmail dot com double density dot net. Go click on the contact form. Send us a form submission. It's super easy. Angelo loves harping on about that. So by all means, if you feel like doing that, go go go. Yeah, you can also go to Brian's house. We have a flashlight in front of it. Flashlight. Yeah. What about communicating us with us through a Ouija board? <laughs> and yeah, if you want to come over, find out about the flashlight, man. Go ahead. My address is the following: Montreal, Quebec, Canada. So yeah, come on over. Perfect. Well, I think uh, with that, we're ready to go. This has been it for episode 218 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in to the next episode as Angela and I spent a couple hundred dollars buying a couple of uh, spirit boxes and wandering around the streets, the sites of downtown Montreal, trying to capture the ghosts of entities unknown. Angelo, I will see you there, and you'd better be wearing your best trench coat. Oh, I will. Galactic pornography, yes, that is exactly what I'm thinking about.